Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. USG, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Podcast. I'm Noah Weiss, your host, and I'm sure you've asked yourself this question before. What does it mean to be a disciple? Our answer to this question is pivotal in how we view our walk with Jesus and what our role is as his followers. I'm grateful to have Pastor Dean and Sarah of City Church in Tallahassee, Florida, joining me today to help us answer the question of what it means to be a disciple and what the six marks of a disciple are. Pastor Dean, thanks for joining me today. Hey, absolutely. It's great to be with you. I'm really grateful to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Pastor Dean, you authored the Bible study titled Marks of a Disciple, Six Measurements for Growth. And we'll be centering our discussion today around that study. I'd love to start very simply and just hearing you share what led you to create this Bible study plan and what was the importance of it? Yeah, well, I remember growing up and always, you know, hearing and being an athlete growing up playing football and baseball. You, know, you hear things often such as "never settle," "get a little bit better every day," right? We'd ever want to just cruise, and and all that's true, and I'm really thankful for that. Uh, but oftentimes that can almost spill over to our faith, where we think that we can never be satisfied with where we are. Mm. Now, I don't mean in a lukewarm kind of way or in a casual Christianity kind of way, but I started asking the question how do we know if we're doing okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like as a Christian, are there measurables mm. to know, again, not that we don't need grace every day and need forgiveness every mm. day and need to walk closer with Christ, but like, how do I know as a Christian if I'm where I'm supposed to be? And I think I'd be really careful if the answer to that is, well, we're never where we're supposed to be. It's like, <laughs> let's be careful with that. You know, because yeah. the Bible tells us to walk in the spirit so we, so we make sure we're not carrying out the desires of the flesh. Well, how do mm. I know if I'm doing that? So there's probably 20 markers, I'm not sure. About this listed out where I thought were just kind of six helpful markers mm. uh, for me to be able to say, okay, am I walking with the Lord as I'm supposed to? And, and are, are there things in my life that maybe need to be tweaked and, and altered so I can be more faithful as a disciple of Jesus? A disciple is one who's, in our context, I mean, somebody who's a follower of Christ, who's a mm. learner of Christ, who is yeah. uh, somebody who's trying to follow Jesus. Okay, I don't know if I'm doing that okay. Mm. And that's what I try to answer through that Bible study, to help us find some measurables to see how we're doing. Well said, Pastor Dean. And I think that is a difficult question for many Christians is, what are those benchmarks for my walk? How do I know that I'm growing spiritually? And so this is why I'm so excited for our conversation today. But Pastor Dean, the first mark of a disciple that is discussed in your study is living a repentant life. And I think the word repentance often confuses some people. And so Pastor Dean, what does it really mean to live a repentant life as a follower of Christ? Well, Martin Luther said that all of the Christian life is a life of repentance. Mm-hmm. It's it's regularly turning from this world and from our sin into Jesus. And that was the message. You know, John the Baptist comes on the scene and he says, "Repent." You know, the kingdom of God is near. Jesus comes on the mm-hmm. scene. You know, preaching a gospel of repentance of saying, "No, my allegiance is to Christ now, 
and not to this world. Mm. And it, it, there are times where there's a discipline to it, but also uh, there's a joy in it because Je- on the book of Romans, you know, the, the love of Christ, Je- the grace of God, Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, the gospel, that kindness leads us to repentance is what Romans 2 says. Mm. Uh, so because of what I believe to be true about Jesus and the grace that he has shown me through his death and resurrection, uh, give me one that I could ever deserve, not punishing my sins as they deserve, mm. uh, rather him being punished in our place as our substitute. Mm. That amazing grace is by grace we're saved, you know, not by works, we're saved mm. by you know, grace through faith, that mm. that should lead me to want to say no to this world and yes to Christ. Mm. Uh, so I think that's kind of where it starts for the believer, is we hear the good news, we respond to the good news uh, by turning away from our sins by the grace of God and turning to Jesus. Uh, so I think it's important for us to see uh, the Christian life as a life of turning away from, the old, from our old selves to the world mm. and turning to Jesus every day. So I think that's where it kind of marker begins, is like, okay, Am I actually following Jesus or the world? And that's going to be marked by repentance. Mm, absolutely, Pastor Dean. And I love what you say in your study. You, you mentioned that it's a daily activity daily of activity. walking out in that repentance. And that really resonates with me of this walk is daily and that repentant life does not stop, um, which is encouraging, right? Because we trust the Lord and His Spirit to guide us through that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we have to remember that I said earlier that it's God's kindness that leads us to mm-hmm. repentance, right? We love because He first loved us. Absolutely. First John says. So the love of God and our awareness of that should grow our affections for God, which will lessen our affections for the world in terms of the things of this mm-hmm. world and hopefully call, call, lead us to repentance. So well said, Pastor Dean. And Pastor Dean, a follow-up to what we just talked about is, you know, I think a challenge for young people is how can I embrace this life of repentance? And so what are some of those things that keep Christians from embracing a life of repentance? Well, I think, you know, the times always look different in eras and different cultures. I think when it comes to this, the stories remain the same as the beginning. Yeah. Uh, when Adam and Eve first fell into sin and gave into temptation, you know, Eve ate the fruit from the tree that the Lord told her not to. I think what keeps us from repentance is believing two lies mm-hmm. that go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. And the first lie is there's more to be gained by disobeying God than there is to be gained by obeying Him. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my sin. I'm believing that lie. Yeah. And the other one is I have to go around God for what I'm looking for in life, mm. meaning purpose, joy, happiness, fulfillment, you know, whatever connection, belonging, rather than actually to God himself. Rather mm. than finding all those things in my relationship with Christ, I have to go around him to find those things. And I think really that's what keeps some repentance is those two lies. More to be gained by disobeying God than there's to be gained by obeying mm. him. And I got to go around him for what I'm looking for in my life. So we need to combat those lies with truth. Yeah. Over and over again, remind ourselves that Jesus is worth it. That following Jesus does interfere with our lives, mm. but it's absolutely worth it. And so I think we've got to keep reminding ourselves that over and over again. Yeah, so well said, Pastor Gene, too. And I think those lies resonate with all of us. I know when I first oh, went yeah. through your study, you reflect on yourself like, man, I have walked into those lies time and time again. And so it is convicting, but to your point, it's very applicable. Yeah, it's the Christian story battling those lies, right? It goes Certainly. all the way back to the beginning. But Certainly. by grace, we can't, right? Just keep believing the gospel more. We must preach the gospel to ourselves. Mm, daily. That following Jesus really is better yeah. than anything the world has to offer. Absolutely, Pastor Dean. And I love what you said as well. We have to combat those lies with truth, which, which I think goes into the next question of the second mark of a disciple being having healthy habits as a believer. I think being aware of truth comes into having healthy habits of being around truth and being immersed in truth within our lives as believers. And there's a lot of healthy habits that can benefit our lives. We can eat healthy, we can work out, but what are some of those core habits of a disciple that fall into the category of being healthy in our Christian walk? 
Yeah, and they're the habits that, that actually have eternal significance. It doesn't, make the, it doesn't make the habits of this world bad things. It just mm. means they're not ultimate things. Mm. But how often do we reward and celebrate habits like you know going to bed at a good time and <laughs> you know eating healthy and going for a morning run? And we we think that's amazing. Say, wow, how disciplined! You know, mm. I just admire that you're just so disciplined and so committed. Uh, but I think even more important is that we're those things when it comes to our spiritual lives. Yes, it's all one life. I understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, but those healthy habits are particular for the Christian. And it, so I, I took it from, from a book uh, by, um, by David Mathis uh, that I referenced in the study and I cite in the study. Uh, but it looks at three primary areas of gifts that God gives us. Because again, we're responding. Even our disciplines are a response to God's love and God's grace. And it's, uh, you know, it's God's ear. God's voice and God's body are the metaphors. Mm. And God's ear is prayer. So we have, what an amazing thing to think about. Like we actually have God's ear. Amazing. But the creator of the universe allows us to pray to him and tells us to pray to him. It's yeah. incredible. So it's that so discipline amazing. of a real prayer life, you can get in different kinds of how the, how, what's helpful to do that, but just a big picture idea of that. And the second, we're talking about God's voice. And uh, God's voice, so I'm holding up a Bible for those who are listening in my hand right now, those watching on video, hello. Uh, and uh, it is God's voice is his word. That's what mm -hmm. he's given us is the scriptures. Yeah. So we want to be people who really see it as an amazing act of grace that we actually have the words of our God. Mm -hmm. The one thing I pray regularly when I pray before I preach, I pray out loud in the pulpit before our congregation, is, is I thank God for the privilege of having access to his words. Mm -hmm. He actually wants us to know what it is he has to say about who Amen. he is and what that means for us. It's incredible. Uh, so that, that, that discipline of being in our Bibles, reading, reading the Bible, uh, God's voice, then God's body, being a part of the local church. Mm -hmm. And he has given us his body. There's no substitute for the local church. There's great supplements. Yeah. You know, they can help us in our faith and great resources and common mm -hmm. grace that God's given us. Yeah. Um, like when I was a kid, for example, I came up through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's no substitute for the church. You know, SCA yeah. was a very helpful other way for me to connect with other athletes, you know, be in community with them, to you know, get ministry on campus, things like that. But there's no substitute for the local church, and that is the primary means of experiencing God's body mm. you know, that he has given us. And so those are the three main things. There's other disciplines as well, healthy habits what I call them. Uh, but let's make those three things healthy rhythms in our life. There's no substitute for having God's voice, God's ear, and God's body as part mm. of our Christian faith. Certainly, Pastor Dan. And I really love how you break those three down because we think about it. We do have God's ear. He listens to us. As believers, when we pray, what an incredible privilege, as well as His Word, you know, being able to tap into the Scriptures. I think sometimes we can fall into not realizing the brevity of what God's Word is, that it's oh, the yeah. inspired and errant, infallible Word of God. And I think when we forget that, it becomes less of a priority in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that in my own walk as well. And so I think to your point, those two are vastly important. And I loved your last point as well, that the church is irreplaceable especially the local church and having a oh, body yeah. of believers that you are tapped into um, and that you're surrounded by, right? If, if you're surrounded by people that are of the same faith and are walking the same walk, you're going to be encouraged and challenged uh, weekly, which is, it, it's invaluable to have that. So well said on all fronts, Pastor Dean. But I think a challenge for young people, especially young people in our network that are working in sports, that are having 70, 80-hour work weeks as interns yeah. and as young professionals it can feel daunting to take on anything else, including some of these habits. And so how would you encourage a young person who's like, hey, pastor, I, I can't find time for these habits. What should I do? Yeah, and, I, and I'm aware of this. That's not my, I'm not working in athletics, but I'm around it all the time. Being in a mm -hmm. college town, we have a lot of church members who are coaches, administrators, uh, you know, staff. 
at Florida State University. Mm. Uh, so, so I'm in these conversations a lot, just trying to encourage them. And I hope you're a part of a church that encourage you because we want you in that field. Mm-hmm. Like we need believers in the field that you're in. So that's when I first say thank you, you know, for giving so much of your life to that and to see mm-hmm. it as a ministry before you see it as anything else. Because the impact so, you yeah. are having and can have potentially in that seat is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would, so I also know that on Sunday mornings, there are times where it just can't happen. Like you just mm-hmm. can't be there because you're in the equipment room. You have a meeting, you know, you yeah. you're traveling back on the charter from no way, whatever it is, like yeah. you have a, a lot going on. So I, I would say to try to find a ways church wise first, whatever the church is offering that you're a part of mm-hmm. to figure out what it is you can do. So that means if it's the off season, it's a little slower. Mm-hmm. Say, you know what? One thing that's going to happen is, is local church for me. Yeah. You know, when it's really crazy during the season, see if there's like, does the church have a 6 a.m. Bible study at a restaurant or is it like, at a, you know, at a random little diner in town or whatever? Is there anything I could still be a part of uh, during the season and then stay connected to some people? And then mm-hmm. for Bible and prayer, just make it a priority. You just yeah. have to. And that means you're getting up 15 minutes earlier. You're in athletics. You're to get up at 5 a.m. You yeah. know, <laughs> let's just right. do 4.45, whatever it looks like or the last thing I do before I go to bed. Uh, don't beat yourself up over when it has to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us your Bible study has to be in the morning. It doesn't tell <laughs> yeah, us that, you know, and, and and for prayer time, I, I call it just pray as you go. Yeah. So maybe it's not a chance for you to act. Maybe it's maybe the ideal thing. Yes. Might be to actually sit down and have that focus and have that time. But for someone like me, who's all over the place anyways, and my mind's 100 miles an hour. Sometimes the best way prayer works for me is I kind of pray as I go. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of praying throughout the day, you know, just little things in my mind. I'm just giving to the Lord and praying. And, and so just try to find things. I, 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 when I say, Something that works for you. I don't mean that in a relative kind of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it, I'm talking about distinctly Christian activity, Christian healthy habits. Mm-hmm. But the key is that you're actually doing them. Yeah. There's not rules about exactly how they have to go down. Absolutely. And so you're encountering God's word. You're praying to the Lord. You're part of God's local body. And you just got to find even the smallest little ways to do that. Hopefully you're part of a church that gets that about the craziness of your schedule right now. Mm-hmm. And also in the craziness of your schedule, you need it. Yeah. I, I forget who it was. I don't want to misquote anybody that said, I'm too busy not to pray. Yeah. But like I'm so busy and I'm so intense, I have to pray. I have to read my Bible. Mm. I need my church, you know. So I would yeah. just encourage you to to see your busyness as all the more reason to need those things. Oh, absolutely, Pastor Dan. It's so well said as well. Of even just processing what works for me. You know, I always think about in my life. I I don't miss eating, right? Even if I'm busy, I find time to to eat a meal. And so I think in the same way, we have to find that time to eat the scriptures per se and to be in Definitely. prayer and. Um, and to have connections with our community. So very well said, Pastor Dean, and very applicable, I think, to a lot of young people who are balancing so many things, whether it be in college or in the in the world of, of athletics. So very well said. And Pastor Dean, the, the third mark of a disciple is living eternally minded. My personal favorite, I think it, it just so, uh, it, it really, I think, changes our outlook on our faith and our walk with the Lord. And so Pastor Dean, share with us what it means to live eternally minded and why it's so important for a disciple to have that eternal mindset? Well, I think it begins with the fact that we're locked into God's promises. Yeah. And, and, you know, all of God's promises have been fulfilled and answered yes in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And the one we're still waiting for is for Christ to return one day and make all things new. Yeah. Uh, so we're in that already not yet, that all the mm-hmm. promises of God are now. Like we're experiencing, we're, we are saved now, those who are in Christ. We're also anticipating a world to come. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I really think that the person who's going to be faithful till the end and endure here on earth is a person that keeps an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why Paul writes letters and says things like, our citizenship is not from here. You know, Peter reminds the believers, they're sojourners, they're exiles, they're in a world that's not their home. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the lust of the world continues to, to come at us all the time. And Certainly. it wants to pull us in. And so we have to remind ourselves regularly that, yes, we live here, 
uh, but we're not from here ultimately. You know, our, our loyalty is to another place. Whoever said the the thought, whoever first said that quote that don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I can't mm. stand that phrase. <laughs> uh, I I think the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because you realize this world's temporary, so you want to make a maximum effort for Jesus while you're here. Yeah, you, know, you want to do that because you're so mindful of the fact that eternity's coming, and eternity actually is forever. Our minds can't fully grasp. You know, the I, I, eternity, but we know it's real, and we yeah. know that's ultimate promises of God. But if anything, I, I want to go back to what I said at the very, very first part of the question that, that you asked, is that eternally minded, and an eternal minded state keeps us locked in on God's promises mm-hmm. and his faithfulness and not ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to encourage people to realize this world is passing away. We don't want to build our lives on the sand. Mm-hmm. We want to build our lives on the rock. You know, yeah. it's that the word of God endures, right? The grass withers, the flowers fade. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we have to remember that over and over again. This world is temporary, and that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, we're just passing Amen. through. But as we pass through, let's be all in. Yeah. Amen. You know, you know, when, when you're a visitor somewhere, you don't want you don't want to go to a new town, and and just stay inside all day. Yeah. Right. Like, what's the point of traveling somewhere mm-hmm. if you're going to do that? You, know, you want to actually be in the world, but also you you understand that you're temporary. Yeah. So you want to max out your effectiveness of the time there, but realize mm-hmm. that it's not forever. So I want to encourage everyone listening to this to be eternally minded yeah. in a world that wants the temporary to be glorified all the time. Hundred percent. We, we have to fight that and realize that it's that we don't live we don't live in the moment. Mm. Absolutely. No, we 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 live uh, in in really the long game of the Christian life. Eugene Peterson called it long, slow obedience in the same direction. Mm. That's people well like me who want to go 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 and quick 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 and fit quick fix this and microwave that. Uh, we have to sometimes take a deep breath and realize it's a long game this following Jesus. Certainly. Uh, so well said, Pastor Dean. And I love this, Mark, because I think it, to your point, brings us back to the incredible promises of God, which are eternal. And I think sometimes this world can can make us forget the goodness of God. It, it can push us to forget yeah. how incredible these promises are, especially if we're focused on things that are temporal. I, I often think of it um, as, as, a, as a vacation, right? And in the weeks prior... You are packing, you're prepping, you're getting your flight tickets ready, you're, you're making sure you're ready to go. And I think in the same way, we have to prepare. Uh, and, and as you mentioned earlier, we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by works. But there is a, a level of preparation of focusing on what is to come and not being so so stuck in this temporal world. So very well said, Pastor Dean. And I think it's a, a very challenging mark as well to have that eternal mindset, especially as young people. A lot of our listeners are, are between the ages of 18 and 30. And when you have so much of your life ahead of you, it, it can be challenging to, to think about this. But I really do think, as you mentioned, it, it's very important. Yeah, we're just passing through. Absolutely, Pastor Dean. I mean, think about it. How many folks even know their great-great-grandfather's name? Not very many. I don't know my great-great-grandfather's name. If I saw a picture of him right now, I wouldn't know who he was. Same. That, is, that doesn't mean his life didn't matter. It mattered tremendously. I'm, an, I'm a byproduct of it, right? Yeah. I, I received his. But at the same time, like it shows us that you know, what, what's mm. here today is gone tomorrow, Definitely. but eternity is real. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to the promise of, of eternity more than this life. We realize this life is passing away. Certainly, Pastor Dean. So well said. And that is a great perspective as well of, of recognizing even the brevity of our lives. I love James. Yeah. I forget the chapter. I forget the chapter, to be honest with you. But when he says um, our lives are vapors, right? It, yeah, it's a mist. Absolutely. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. So very well said. And Pastor Dean, I love your, I love all these marks, but I love the fourth one as well. And it's living generously. What a challenge that can be for so many of us, especially when we're young and our finances are a little tighter than we'd like it to be. What does generosity say about the heart of the disciple? And how can we practice generosity in our walks with the Lord? 
Well, it's important to know that generosity is tied to money in the Bible. Yeah. Y- yes, you should give your time. Yes, you should you know give your heart and your life. But when the Bible talks about generosity, it's talking about money specifically. Mm-hmm. Why? Because God knows what money can do to us. Yeah. That's why Jesus said you can't serve two masters, God mm-hmm. and money. All right. He he also told us that where our treasure is, which is money, yep. there our heart is also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that Lord just loves his Lord loves his people, right? Mm-hmm. And he loves his own glory. He doesn't want anything to be in the way of worship of him, yeah. but also for our good. Uh, so the way that we overcome a, a tight grasp on money is open our hands and be generous. Yeah. And that, and that never is contingent on how much money you have. Mm-hmm. Right? You look at the, the story of the, the woman who went up with only two silver coins. And Jesus said, she's the one being faithful, not you guys who put some money in there. I know how much you have. Yeah. It, didn't affect, it didn't affect you at all. Right. And what it really tells us is that in God's economy, the portion's more important than the sum. Mm. Like what it meant to you is more important than that. Uh, so, I wanna, so what I tell people all the time, for some reason money's like frowned upon being talked about at church. And I shouldn't say for some reason. I get people have abused it and you know, there's been things that have caused people to just go, what? We, we, we have yeah. those things? Is that really necessary? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it's important to know that money is mission ammunition. Yeah, but that's what God uses, you know, to to let the church go forward and the gospel to get to the ends of the earth, and that where our money is, our heart is also. So we should be people who live a generous posture and a generous life. Mm. So knows what he didn't say. He didn't say where your Bible study is, there your heart is. Yeah, as important as that is, right? Someone you know, he he, yeah. he he said he didn't say where your sincerity is, your heart is. He goes, no, he didn't say where your family is, your heart is. He say where your money is, because yeah. he knows because he's God, he's sovereign creator of the universe. He knows that's what has the most competition for our heart. Absolutely. He wants his people to know this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the love of money, yeah. you know, is, is the root of all evil. Not money, the mm-hmm. love of money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. We see all yeah. the time, you know, examples of that. And so, mm-hmm. so I think we need people who really try to live a generous life. And I think the first place where generosity happens is through the local church. Yeah. Uh, but any other expression, just live in a generous posture, to be a generous person. Mm-hmm. Again, not reckless, not careless. We're also told to be responsible people, yeah. right? But but generous. And yeah. I think just that open-handed lifestyle rather than closeness to when it comes to our money and our possessions is really important. Mm. Yeah, Pastor Dean, I think that's really, really incredible. And for a lot of young people, I think there's a fear around giving money away, especially I think about young people in sports when you're interns and when you're volunteering and it's like, oh man, like how can I even give to my local body? And I love what you said about portions is greater than the sum because, you know, the woman that gave two cents, right? It wasn't as much as the others, but she gave uh, way more than, than what the portion was of what the others had. And so, so well said. And I think that can be a great reflection for young people who are challenged like, oh man, like pastor, like my, my finances are so tight. Well, hey, it, it's it's more about the portion, and so that that is encouraging, and I think as well of it says so much about our hearts and, and how generous yeah. we are. Yeah, he's not after your money; he's after your hearts. He doesn't need our money, absolutely, right? <laughs> like yeah. it's more for us, you know. And in Certainly. terms of that expression, so our hearts are are free. And and it's let's say you're an intern or a GA or the video you know, entry level video guy mm-hmm. assistant times five down the chain, <laughs> and, and usually you're I mean you're living four to an apartment and one bedroom two bedroom apartment you know yeah. I, I, minor leaguers you know all those kind of things <laughs> you just try to find little ways to develop the habit talk about healthy mm-hmm. habits right yeah and, and that could be like you know what I'm gonna do one less I'm gonna begin by doing you know one less mm-hmm. you know out to eat meal a week or one you just kind of start those habits mm-hmm. and say I'm gonna use that money to give towards our church's mission and yeah. you know that that type of stuff just find find just little ways if you haven't yet and then try to increase that portion you know mm-hmm. as you go because you know what I what I believe is well, let's say that I never talked about money mm-hmm. as a pastor and Jesus said where your heart is your treasure is mm-hmm. 
what I am saying without even meaning to is that I don't care about your heart. Yeah. What a horrible thing to say as a pastor. Mm-hmm. I don't care about anybody that's a Christian. I don't care about your heart. Yeah. So we care about people's hearts. We're going to talk about the thing that, he, that the Bible says has the biggest grip on it. Yeah. And that's our stuff. And that's our, our resources. So mm-hmm. we got to talk about that kind of stuff if we're going to be mature about following Jesus. Absolutely. That's so well said, Pastor Dean. And, and that's why I love this conversation. I think it is so applicable for a lot of young people to think about this and process um, their level of generosity as believers. And Pastor Dean, your fifth mark of a disciple is being theologically sound. And I think the word theology can be uh, almost scare people away sometimes. Oh, that's for, for professors or that's for pastors or for seminary. But why is having a sound theology so important to the life of a disciple? Because our faith is only going to be as much as what we know to be true about God. Yeah. You know, everyone has a theology whether they realize it or not. Mm. And theology is a study of God and who he is. I'm not saying you have to be a scholar. Yeah. Saying is, we want to make sure that we're lined up the scriptures and rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm. You know, it was uh, A.W. Tozer, the author, who said the most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. Yeah, and that's only going to be shaped by your theology, right? Mm. And there's so many, especially in sports culture, there can be just so many kind of self-helpy theologies out there masquerading as Christianity, and mm. and we got to be really, really careful, you know, because mm. we want to make sure that that we're clear because God has spoken to us; He has given us His Word. He wants us to know who He is. Yeah. Uh, so I think we need to be very careful to make sure the gospel is central uh, to the churches we're a part of. The message is not "you be a better you." Yeah, we've already failed at that. Yeah, that's why Jesus had to come, right? Because we're terrible at being a good us. Amen. Right? Like, yeah, we said, God, no thanks. I don't want you. I want me instead. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so we need to make sure that they're that we're clear on what sin is. Mm-hmm. Sin is not just a mistake that I made or a moment of uh, messing up. It's that I've actually sinned against a holy God. Yeah. You know, that holy God will not let sin go unpunished. What kind of holy God would, right? Yeah. Uh, but rather than punishing us as our sins deserve, our holy God is also a loving God Amen. who punished Jesus, who never sinned in our place. Amen. Uh, so that we trust in him, repent of our sins, we'll be reconciled, made right with God. Mm. Uh, and so, and, and so, and the Jesus rose from the grave, validating once and for all who he was and conquering, you know, sin and death. And one day he will come again, you know, to make all things new. So just in that quick little couple of minutes, we talked about anything from the sinless life of Christ uh, to God's holiness, to mm. man's sinfulness, uh, to you know the, the, the substitutionary yeah. death of Jesus, the yeah. resurrection of Christ, the need to repent, uh, justification by faith, that we're declared not guilty of our sins. Mm. And we talked about all this, that quick little thing that was all theology, and all we do is talk about the gospel, yeah. right? So, so what you believe really matters, it and does. you got to be really careful about that. It's so easy in our American culture, our Western culture, I should probably more say, uh, to just really kind of sprinkle some God language and some mm. Bible verses onto a worldly kind of self-helpy, you be a better you, Instagram kind of sort of faith. Yeah. Now, I wrote a book about I wrote, wrote a book about all that called Getting Over Yourself. Mm. And this is not a shameless plug, but it's just looking at how uh, how it's how a Christ-centered Christianity is so much better than a me-centered Christianity. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I wanted to really point folks to that reality and that understanding. Mm. Yeah, Pastor Dean, I, I love this one. I think theology can... And it's kind of like I mentioned, it can scare people away, but there is such a value, as you've mentioned, to understanding who God has revealed himself to be. I always think to myself, would I rather have a God that I've created in my own image or the God that has created me in his image? And I'd much rather have the God that created me in his image and not the one that's in my own image. And so I think yeah, that's... Yeah, and he's the one. Yeah, you're right. And he's the one that gets yeah. to tell us what... It, he gets, he's, 
that tells what we're to believe. He yeah. gets to make that call. Absolutely. You know, not, not this cultural or this world. So I want to encourage everyone to really take theology seriously. Yeah. Um, we don't use theology as a weapon or a hammer. You know, mm-hmm. that really it's doctrine that, that unites us. Absolutely. And you and I are in two different states having this conversation. Yeah. We don't know each other at all. Mm-hmm. But what unites us together is what we believe to be true about Jesus. Amen. It's actually doctrine that unites us, Amen. right? It's incredible, you know? It like, is. Yeah. It so is. That, that's, that's why it's so important and why it matters. It's beautiful. I love that, Pastor Dean. It's so well said. And, you know, I think a, a challenge for some young people can be, well, Pastor Dean, I, I understand theology is so important, but how can I really learn theology? And so what are some ways, besides reading the Bible, that our listeners can, can grow to be theologically sound? Yeah, well, it does begin there with the scriptures, right? Absolutely. That's where it begins, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so we want to make sure the Bible's in, that's impacting what we think more than any other human. Yeah. After that, I think we got to sit under sound teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, to be a part of an actual Bible preaching church, you know, yeah. that really covers the things that I just mentioned to you. Yeah. Uh, the believer needs that every day, and then I think to have maybe some trusted mentors in your life that can help you think about those things and to, mm. and to um, maybe help answer questions you might have. Mm. And then to start reading some important books, you know, when you get yeah. a chance to, that can help you do that. I recommend, if you want to talk about theology, I recommend Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's fantastic. Mm. Uh, the Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul is a wonderful theological book. Uh, those are kind of maybe some two ones to get started on as well. Mm. But nothing supplements the importance of being in the Bible. Yeah. You know, but also have somebody help you read your Bible. And Absolutely. by that, I don't mean maybe maybe it is holding your hand. It's very early. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. Uh, we want you to learn. We want you to know. But then after that, I think really it is, is a part of being a part of a strong church. Yeah. And by strong church, I'm not talking about size or style or anything. Mm. I'm talking about that believes the Bible, that, that, that is unashamed of the Scriptures, and wants to help you learn it. Yeah. Because awesome. we're going to really know Jesus. We have to know His Word. Like that's yeah. how. That's the only way we can know Him. Absolutely. Right? It, 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 that's how God. That's the means God has used has given us mm-hmm. to know who He is. Is the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. So it's the people who are in Him. Yeah, that's really well said, Pastor Dean. And, and I love too as well. You mentioned the Bible is where we start. Absolutely, where we have to start to know God. Um, and, and those resources are amazing as well. So thanks for sharing those those Absolutely. books. And then finally, Pastor Dean, last question, the last mark of a disciple in your study is having a missional heart. I, I love this one. And so what does it look like to be missional as a Christian, and how can disciples make this a priority in their lives? Yeah, so I'm convinced that we're never more like Jesus than we're following him into the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. Yeah. Like, last words matter a lot. Like Someone's last words bring power. Mm-hmm. You could do, like, Google searches on fav- famous last words of these generals and presidents, whatever yeah. it might be. And or maybe let's say that you knew you had a terminal illness or something along those lines, and you had the chance to record some last words to your spouse or your family or you know, people like that. Those would count and those would matter, right? Yeah. And we believe that every word of Jesus is equally inspired and equally powerful. But how amazing that some of the last recorded words we have of him are the Great Commission at the end of Matthew hmm. to go to go and, and make disciples, right? And then Acts one eight before he ascends to heaven, he tells the disciples that they're going to be his witnesses. Mm. That was the point of all this. We yeah. see that heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. Amen. You know, Luke chapter fifteen. It doesn't say. It doesn't say heaven rejoices when there's one awesome small group Bible study. Right. Even though I think that's great, I think God thinks that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. Amen. Uh, yeah. I, I think that matters. Uh, but th- th- let's 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 get really excited about what Jesus gets excited about. And yeah. so I think we need to be people who really do believe that mature Christians follow Jesus into the world and shine yeah. as lights before others. So to me, to be a mature Christian cannot be any, it's, it's more 
and having a heart for the lost, but it can't be less than that. Oh, that's that's awesome, Pastor Dan. And I love how you, you brought it back to Jesus. What did he do? What, 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 what did he yeah. say? And I think that's what we have to do is look at our Lord and say, why did he come and how has he sent us out? And he has sent us out to make disciples. And so that's it's very totally. well said. And I think a challenge, Pastor Dean, and, and I'm adding this question on, but for young people, it can often be a fear and a social pressure of, oh, I don't know if I can share my faith, especially in a work setting. And so how would you encourage a young person who's maybe a little shy and maybe uh, it doesn't feel very um, encouraged to go and share their faith? Yeah, right now I think the importance is relationships. Yeah. I think, I think relationships have always matter, but right now this kind of heightened sensitivity it's almost like our biggest fear nowadays is awkwardness. Oh, yeah. Like, we're sure. more afraid of awkwardness than we are someone's eternal state. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, I shouldn't even laugh. But, like, it's just, like, it's so bizarre. I, I can be the same way. Yeah. You know, like, I'd rather avoid an awkward situation than I would tell someone about life and death, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's really something, what, what it's become in our world. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's the best way around that is through relationships. So, yeah. you know, in the workplace, um, you know, you're probably more surrounded by unbelievers at any other point, right? Totally. Like, you're, that, like, you're at work, and there you are. And you see Jesus say things like, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, and let your light shine Amen. before others, right? I, I remember, uh, you know, I remember back when we were little kids, we sang the song, This Little Light of Mine. Yeah. You know, one of the words was, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine, right? Yeah. But let's not forget we learned in kindergarten yeah, yeah, that it's right. to be lit. So, so I'd say through relationships. And I, so one thing about our, net, our network of churches I'm a part of, we started a thing called Who's Your One? Hmm. One is like, like O-N-E, like who's your one person? And that everyone should be thinking about at least have one person in their life that they know of who needs Christ. Amen. And, over the, and then over the next however long, be praying for that person every single day and finding opportunities to have conversations with that person. Because so, well, the whole point is you already know the person. Yeah. Right. So, just, so through that relationship. So, so don't feel like you have to, you know, win a hundred strangers for Christ. It'd be incredible if you did. And we'll praise God for that. And mm. God obviously can do that. He saved us. So he can save anybody. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> um, but but uh, but I think that maybe start start with that. Really, I'm I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify. It. I'm really trying to like a a clear lane mm. is who's your one. Think of that yeah. one person in your life, one person on the staff with you with the team, mm. whoever it might be, uh, that you can start having that they already know you, and you can start having some conversations. Maybe invite mm. them to church or invite them to a Bible study or or just have or maybe maybe next time you guys go to lunch together, eat at the training table. You ask, you can pray. Yeah. It is just little ways to start start conversations going for those yeah. type of things. Absolutely. And what you'll realize, and, you, and while y'all they're listening, know see more than I do, but mm-hmm. something about faith and sports culture, there's a lot of openness. Yeah, there sure you know, is. So, and, and that's not just a Bible Belt thing. Like it really is. Everywhere you see teams that pray before a game, there's openness to something, right? They have yeah. a they have a motivational speaker, chapel character coach, some call it whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like there's the team, the baseball team goes down the foul line before after warmups for the game and. They take a knee and pray. There's just there's just part of that openness, and just make mm. sure that we're using those windows not to express a generic faith, yeah. but to actually point people to Christ ultimately. Yeah, that's so well said. I love what you said about relationships because I think when we build those authentic relationships, people become more trusting of us and what we have to say, and and not to say that they want to trust us, they want to trust God, but it does open doorways as well. And so I think that's very yeah. a very applicable, Pastor Dean. I really appreciate you sharing. Yeah, and it's not a bait and switch thing. It's because we actually care about these people. Yeah, Amen. we actually care about them. You know, Amen. so so I think we we'll just keep building those relationships. Yeah, it's awesome, Pastor Dean. And and Pastor, it was such a pleasure having you on our podcast today, being able to discuss these six marks of a disciple. We'll be praying for you and your ministry as it continues at City Church. Hey, thanks so much. It's cool to be with you. Absolutely. 
If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at UncommonSG.org. That's UncommonSG.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern Time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.